Welcome to the USCCB First Freedom Podcast. I'm Aaron Weldon. And I'm Mary McCleskey. One of the issues for religious liberty advocates right now is how to respond to some of the restrictions on public gatherings that have been implemented to slow the spread of COVID. On the one hand, the state not only has a right, but a responsibility to enact measures that keep the public safe. But on the other hand, people have a right, and for Catholics, an obligation to gather for worship. So what to do? Well, for the most part, Catholics have sought to cooperate with the civil authorities in order to try to slow the spread of the virus. And we've responded this way, not only out of deference to legitimate authority, but because this is an expression of love for our neighbors and concern about the common good. At the same time, some measures have elicited some pushback. My own local church, the Archdiocese of Washington, led by Cardinal Wilton Gregory, recently filed a complaint with the District of Columbia over its restrictions. To talk with us about this issue, we have Chris Anzaday. Chris serves as the in the Office of the General Counsel at the Archdiocese of Washington. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, I really appreciate the chance to be here to talk about these important issues. Well, just to start us off, uh, because like I said, this is a big issue for me because it's my local church. I'm following this pretty closely, uh, but some of our listeners might not even know what, what I'm talking about. So give us a general sense of what this complaint is about, what led to it, uh, and, and what, what, you, what your case you're trying to make here. Sure. Um, and, you know, as I think you mentioned in your opening comments, we do find ourselves in really almost unprecedented times. Um, our, our public leaders are, are certainly faced with very difficult decisions as to how to keep everybody safe and how to find those balances. And, you know, we feel, of course, as, as, as the church, as members of the body of Christ, that, you know, we need more church. We need to come together um, in, in religious worship and, and that our first amendment right to freely exercise our faith is now more important than ever. And, and certainly the need to do everything safely and appropriately, uh, in terms of, you know, the protocols we would have in place at our churches. Um, what we were seeing as, um, the, our, our local jurisdictions in, in particularly in the District of Columbia came out of the, the, the sort of the lockdown or the stay at home phase and they entered into to phase two uh, here locally uh, in the District of Columbia back in June. That was when our churches, you know, we began to return to mass. And what we were seeing as the, the local authorities were issuing, you know, new orders of what, you know, uh, businesses can and can't do, individuals can and can't do. Um, what we were seeing was really um, disparate treatment be between what churches could do, houses of worship, versus, let's say, big box stores or, you know, fitness classes, um, retail, you know, as we were coming up on, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, the Black Friday. Um, and and uh, even at the time, um, there, there was disparate treatment in the way restaurants were allowed to operate, uh, and even things like liquor stores and, you know, tanning salons. And I can go on and on with examples, but, you know, unfortunately it looked like church, you know, in our, in our fundamental right to worship really was, was, was left behind. And, and we were faced with some pretty difficult restrictions. Um, first, a hard cap of a hundred people uh, up through uh, just before Thanksgiving. And then the district actually um, uh, further restricted the right to worship by limiting our churches to um, a cap of 50 people 
people per service, uh, regardless of how big the church would be, regardless of its its size. And we have some really big facilities, some big churches here locally in the District of Columbia. So that was very concerning, um, you know. And and of course, we tried to to you know work cooperatively and collaboratively and and, and have a discussion um, uh, with the mayor's office. But unfortunately, we found ourselves in Advent just a few weeks away from Christmas and and faced with these 50 person caps. Uh, and, and we thought it was just that that was just too much of a restriction. Certainly want to do things safe, but we also need to open up church for the faithful, particularly this Christmas season and beyond. So that, those were some of the reasons why we, um, you know, we brought the case. So what could you just talk logistically about what it looks like when you say complaint or I mean, what what is it exactly that you filed? Was it a request or I mean, is it would you say that you sued or how did what did that look like, Chris? Sure. OK, those are, Mary, those are great questions. Um, I guess just backing up for a little bit of, of um, just a little bit of context, we kind of did both. We tried to work. Um, cooperatively without going to court first. Um, back in June, we had um, positive dialogue with the District of Columbia um, to, 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 to try to flesh out what, you know, religious worship might look like as, as the city entered into phase two and things began to open up and people could engage in, you know, activities and actually, you know, go shopping, go eating, you know, what, what will the parameters be for church? So we had discussions with the district back then and then over, you know, as, as we worked within what was first the 100 person restrictions on religious worship, we, you know, we just went about offering uh, mass, we thought, you know, very safely with very strict protocols in place, and did that for a few months and, you know, sort of built up our track record, our pastors got comfortable, our parishioners got comfortable. And we had a, a record of, you know, three or four months of down pat doing it the right way. And at that point in October, um, we actually approached the district when the cap was 100 people, and we asked the district to remove the 100-person cap on religious services. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, things went the other way, and right before Thanksgiving, the district um, actually, you know, dialed back the restrictions back to 50, uh, and so we had some final discussions with the district and trying to get them to, to change their position, particularly after the Diocese of Brooklyn case uh, came down from the Supreme Court and struck down similar limits. Um, at that point, we found ourselves, I guess, two Fridays ago, we did file a complaint in federal court in the District of Columbia seeking uh, in, in injunctive relief, asking the court to issue an order that the 50-person cap, uh, or really any hard cap on, on um, religious worship, would be, uh, it was our position that that violates the First Amendment and also the um, Religious Freedom Restoration Act. So we did file a lawsuit against the District of Columbia in federal court, and we followed that up by filing uh, a motion for a temporary restraining order and in an injunction uh, so that we could have uh, judicial relief and, and have those appropriate, you know, guardrails in place imposed by the court to open things up uh, for our faithful to attend the mass for Christmas and beyond. Well, and really, just for those who aren't familiar with it, the churches in the uh, Archdiocese of Washington, I mean, one of the large, you, know, you have the, the cathedral, 
the seat of the bishop, but also you have the Basilica of the National Shrine, which seats 4,000, but can yeah. actually fit, you know, standing for 6,000 or, but so to have a, a church that fits capacity of 4,000 people being limited to 25, you know, that's just, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> you can fit and have so many more people attend mass. I learned as we were preparing for, for the litigation that um, the statue of the statue of Liberty can, can on, on put up placed on her side um, can fit inside the, the Basilica Basilica of the, the shrine of the Immaculate Conception. It's the largest uh, Catholic church in uh, not only in the area, but, but I think in North America, in North America, that's right. So I'm ever fortunate enough to get on jeopardy. Maybe I'll uh, have that question answered. That's right. And I guess just on that subject, I'm sorry, one, one, just the the other, the other thing I wanted to to raise on that, on that very point that you brought up is that over half of our churches hold over 500 people. So it's not even just the shrine or the cathedral. Most of our churches were really faced with looking at, 10% 10% capacity or, 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 or less under the, the, um, the district's rules that we challenged. Anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, so did you get a sense for, or they, were they intentionally, is this a case of possible discrimination or, I mean, because to, to have, you know, the big box stores, like you said, have people shopping the day after Thanksgiving and have that not be as limited do you, do you think this? What did the what did the district uh, uh, say when you you pushed back to them and said these are these are these restrictions are unjust? That's a great question. To to be to be clear, I don't feel that the 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 officials that we dealt with, you know, the advisors to the mayor and even the mayor herself, I I don't think that they're they're driven by any animus towards the church or towards um, organized religion or the Catholic faith. I don't think it's about that. I think that, you know, and, and, and generally we feel like they're, they're trying to do their best to make very difficult decisions to, to you know, protect public health. Um, but I think that what can be lost in the shuffle and taken for granted is just how cherished and fundamental the right to attend church services is that, um, this isn't just about stay home and watch it on Zoom, certainly not for Catholics. Right. You know, yeah. and we do have that available, by the way, for folks. We recognize that not everybody does feel comfortable coming back to Mass. And we do have, you know, virtual services and Zooms. And, but, you know, for those um, who are likely watching this podcast, uh, you know, they, they understand that coming together as the body of Christ in church and, and participating in the sacrifice of the mass that is absolutely vital and integral to who we are as, as Catholics. And I think maybe that was lost a little bit on um, maybe some of the, the public officials. I just think that it was a good lesson in that we needed to continue to speak up and, and assert our rights. Uh, otherwise I think, you know, it, we, you know, we would have been left on the sidelines um, had had we not spoken up, I wonder though if you could say also a re- make give a response um, to the skeptics of of what what we've done here. Um, you know, on the one hand, you have some people just want to open everything up and kind of throw caution to the wind. That's not the approach that we've taken. That the church in general has taken. Um, certainly not church leadership. 
but a, a big response you're going to see, and I'm sure you've heard some of this, is that religious people are asking for special rights or that we're being irresponsible and not doing our part, um, that, you know, they're not going to know the whole context that you just described. They're just, they're saying, well, you, you, you're perfectly fine with, with, um, with asserting your right to religious liberty without the corresponding responsibility to, to care about the common good. How do you respond? How do you respond to those objections and that kind of skepticism? Yeah. When we kind of, it's interesting, you kind of get it on both sides a little bit, right? So you get the folks who say, just, you know, open it up, you know, just let's, you know, you know, you, Chris, you just yourself just said, we need to all be in church. So, you know, open it up and, and, um, there shouldn't be any restrictions and, and, you know, why are we cooperating with the government? And, you know, and, and I guess just on that point very quickly, and, and then I want to address the other point as well. The other side of it is um, I did say, you know, at the outset that we want to do this safely. And, you know, what Cardinal Gregory, one of the first things he said when he became our archbishop, when he came to Washington is, is he's our pastor. So he's not just our bishop, but he's the, he, he views himself as the, you know, as, as the pastor of all of us in, in the diocese. And, and certainly like, you know, it it is our spiritual, you know, one of our spiritual fathers, he, you know, wanted to make decisions that were um, intended to protect us as well. And so we did things like, you know, the safety protocols I mentioned of every other pew, you know, we tape off every other pew, make sure people stay six feet apart, wear masks, um, you know, the, the other sanitizing procedures and lots of additional cleaning protocols, you know, and all that is done, I think, just, you know, to be responsible. And certainly when you do that, you know, when you tape off a pew, that's a pew that people can't sit in. And so, no, we can't pack our churches right now. Um, that's not the, it's not the appropriate time to do that. We, again, try to do other things of scheduling additional masses, particularly here at Christmas, or have the Zoom options. But so, you know, I think that we really tried to go about this, you know, as responsibly and safely as we could. And I'm sure there are some that have criticized, you know, putting, putting, you know, taping up, you know, pews and how dare you. But I hope that those folks understand that, you know, we're trying to just really go about things safely and to protect all of us and, and make sure that everybody feels comfortable coming to church. Um, on the other hand, for those who say, you know, we're just seeking special treatment, Again, we, we viewed this lawsuit as um, necessary because churches, you know, in the right to religious worship, which is protected by the First Amendment of the Constitution, were not receiving the same treatment as big box stores, you know, or, or restaurants, or as I said earlier, you know, liquor stores, nail salons. So we were, um, you know, looking to be treated fairly in view of, you know, all of the different sectors um, that, that were open. Um, and certainly, um, to be clear, we weren't just seeking to challenge the rule, on, you know, at, um, for, for Catholics to be able to attend church, but for those of all faith who want to come together in whatever their religious denomination might be. Um, so for mosques and synagogues and, you know, all, you know, all sorts of other Protestant houses of worship, um, we felt that this was a necessary um, uh, a step to take in order to um, ensure that houses of worship were treated, you know, just as fairly as, you know, Walmart or Target or the supermarket, not, not to 
you know, not to call them out, but just to give those as examples. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioning other faith groups is kind of a nice segue to the other question I wanted to ask you. Because mm-hmm. um, and you also mentioned the, the case out of Brooklyn. Uh, so the Archdiocese of Washington, you know, was in a better position to make this case at this time because of this Supreme Court decision involving religious gatherings uh, in Brooklyn. And that but that was a case that where the where Catholics were working with the Jewish community. And so so it's a it's a it's a case where it's not you're not it's not just us looking out for ourselves where we believe that this is something that's religious liberty is for people of, for all people of faith. Um, I wonder if you could just say what happened in that Brooklyn case, um, what was going on there and, and how has that kind of allowed or kind of opened it up for, for the Archdiocese of Washington to kind of be in a better position with this case? Yeah, that was a game changer, really. I mean, I don't think that, that the, the, the impact of the Diocese of Brooklyn case, and you're right, there was a companion case, um, uh, Israel. Uh, synagogue, I believe it was, had brought a companion case uh, that was heard by the Supreme Court at this at the same time. And uh, that decision, I woke up Thanksgiving morning, um, uh, and it felt like Christmas on Thanksgiving morning to see the news that the Supreme Court had um, it issued an injunction in favor of uh, opening up the houses of worship in New York. Uh, there, they were faced with, I believe it was orders that restricted uh, uh, houses of worship of all types, again, churches, synagogue, synagogues, mosques, any kind of house of worship to either a, capa- uh, a total uh, a capacity of either 10 or 25 people, depending on sort of what colored zone you were in. And um, uh, that case uh, made its way up to the Supreme Court. And uh, we had seen cases earlier in the summer, maybe earlier in the pandemic, there were a couple of cases that kind of now infamous casino case that came out of Nevada that went up to the Supreme Court, uh, where the court affirmed the local government's right to, to restrict um, uh, attendance at religious worship, uh, even though it appeared to be that they were getting disparate treatment, let's say, from what even casinos, I think, was the closest example. Casinos were allowed more people than um, than churches at that point in time. Uh, I note that 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 case has also now uh, been handed down favorably, a decision favorable to the churches. But the Brooklyn case is really the one that that opened the door um, for the you know, churches to seek and, and other houses of worship to seek judicial relief. So there, the court was faced with those 10 or 25 person restrictions, and in a per curiam opinion, uh, meaning it, they, they did not indicate how the vote, uh, which, ju- which justices voted which way, you could get a little bit of a sense by the opinions, uh, but in a, in a per curiam opinion, the court held that any government restrictions on uh, church attendance must satisfy strict scrutiny, and that would mean that uh, the government would have to have a compelling interest and their uh, rules would have to be narrowly tailored to serve that interest. And there the court found, the Supreme Court found that uh, the New York's 10 or 25 person limit, depending on, on which zone you were in, really acted in a fashion that was discriminatory towards churches. Again, as I kind of alluded to earlier, as compared to, you know, they had a litany of examples. I think Justice Gorsuch went through some of those in his um, concurring opinion. Um, not only retailers, but also I think I want to say he had you know bike shops and 
places where you can go to get acupuncture. And there were all sorts of other secular businesses of all sorts, of all types, that were treated as more essential than church. And the, the, the court rightly um, uh, struck down New York's limits. Uh, you know, I thought Justice Gorsuch, I jotted it down here, he had a very beautiful uh, opening to his opinion. I'll just, if it's okay with you, I would just, just I can um, read it very quickly. Uh, he, he, he wrote that government is not free to disregard the First Amendment in times of crisis. At a minimum, the amendment prohibits government officials from treating religious exercise worse than comparable secular activities unless they're pursuing a compelling interest and using the least restrictive means available. I, I thought that that, that, I mean, that captured what our position had been and and, and when that, again, when that case was handed down, that really opened things up for us to, uh, you know, approach the district with more urgency um, and, and the confidence that uh, if, you know, this would go to court, that we would be, uh, be able to strike down the restrictions we were facing here in D.C. Where is this now? Where is the complaint now? I, I've, um, I know, I guess it's mid, about the middle or uh, of last week that I'd was reading some news articles that the District of Columbia had back had backed off of some of these restrictions. So what's what's happened? Kind of where do things stand now, um, and and where might they be going? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, on the last Monday, the fourteenth of December, we filed a motion for restraining order, temporary restraining order, in a in an injunction. Uh, to prevent the district from enforcing these 50-person caps on houses of worship in the District of Columbia. There, uh, we had asked the court to rule uh, immediately so that our faithful would would have the opportunity to go to services um, and and receive the sacraments fully um, uh, now during Advent and and certainly had to make sure our churches were fully opened for Christmas. Um, And the district's uh, res- response was due last Thursday morning and late, late, late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, uh, the mayor uh, issued a, a new order that um, really came, came, the mayor came forward with a rule that eliminated the, the very restrictive 50-person cap on religious worship. So as of last, the end of last week, the new order uh, in place in the District of Columbia is that Um, Houses of worship uh, are entitled to 25% capacity up to 250 people, which really pretty much, you know, covers, you know, most, if not all of our our churches. So um, that was a five, that was a, you know, an increase of really of five times of the, 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 the cap that the mayor had in place. So we were just um, so pleased and so grateful that bringing the litigation kind of spurred the mayor to, to take a look at really what was happening across the board and come up with rules that were, you know, just more fair and more even and, and balance. Certainly there's a need for public safety and balancing, you know, that with, you know, the fundamental right to worship. That's great news. And just in time for all the uh, Christmas celebrations. Yeah. So, Chris, um, I'm interested in what the, uh, the the action by the mayor of D.C. and also by the Supreme Court decision in Brooklyn, like what what impact that has on other um, other states, other localities and other um, 
legal um, religious liberty uh, cases or situations that might be going on across the country? That's a great question. And, and I certainly um, uh, I don't have a, a catalog of all of them, but I just know uh, that there are several, you know, in, in New Jersey and in Colorado, right after the, uh, the Diocese of Brooklyn case came out, uh, there, there were pending cases there that the courts sent back to, to take another look at the caps that they had in place um, and revisit those and come up with more sensible rules. Um, we know that uh, California, where I think the government has been very, very strict in the requirements that they've had in place, um, particularly in LA County, uh, they, they, the LA County just came out with new rules uh, to ease the restrictions on religious worship in, in, you know, in light of the Supreme Court case. I mentioned earlier the infamous casino case um, uh, that was out of the Ninth Circuit out west that deals with not only California, but the other western states, in, including Nevada. That case dealt with the state of Nevada's um, restrictions on um, religious uh, worship, and, and there the court uh, struck those down uh, and sent the state of Nevada back. So while, you know, back in June, the, the first time that case went up to the Supreme Court, you know, it was not successful. The churches were not successful in, in, in challenging the restrictions. At that point in time, they weren't able to get an immediate injunction. Um, now, a few months later, in, again, in time for Christmas, they were able to um, overcome, uh, overturn the restrictions there in the state of Nevada. Um, I, locally in, in, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, I know in light of the um, Supreme Court's ruling, the, the governor of Virginia um, held a press conference and essentially announced that he's not imposing any uh, hard caps on religious worship and instead just asking the churches and other houses of worship to be responsible in, you know, in coming up with protocols to keep their people safe, which again, I mentioned earlier here in the Archdiocese of Washington. And I really think most of the Catholic churches around the country, from what I've heard, are kind of following a similar game plan of, of creating social distancing and mask wearing and, you know, changes to, you know, entry and exit, you know, protocols and um, making sure that the, we're, we're doing everything possible to, to kind of keep our, our people safe when they attend mass. So the, I think really across the country that the Brooklyn case has had reverberations and, um, and again, just in time for Christmas, I feel like at the end of what's been a very long and, and very stressful year for probably just about everybody out there, you know, the, the, the court case was really welcome news and, and we're delighted to be opening up our, our churches for the faithful here at Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, this has been really informative, um, informative for me, for sure. Do you have any, any final thoughts before we let you get back to work? <laughs> Never, ever ask a lawyer if they have final thoughts. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're always going to have final thoughts. Um, just, just briefly, a couple of things, and you know, and, I just mentioned that, you know, we find ourselves in not only with COVID, but obviously you'd have to be under a rock, you know, not to not to know that you know, we live in such difficult times, right? We've not only been ravaged by this terrible pandemic, we've had social turmoil, we've had so much, you know, rancor and anger, at, uh, you know, and, and divisiveness. And um, at, at the same time, I saw a Gallup poll uh, recently, Gallup does this annual survey of mental health, and, um, and and they break it up into different demographics. And you probably probably saw this as well. 
the the group of people who uh, responded that their sort of their mental health was the best uh, on the survey were people who attend religious services every week. So not only is this a fundamental right, you know, under the Constitution, but um, church is where we find answers. It's where we come together in these difficult times. You know, you see these commercials and they, uh, you know, I hate to sound so cynical, right? But these, on the, you know, they'll, they'll, some company telling you we're all in this together, you know, and it's a catchphrase they're using, you know, we're all in this together now by our widget, you know, by this or by that. But the church says we're all in this together and we mean it, you know, and, and um, the church is a place where tangible change happens, where people come together to worship God, to pray together, to mourn together. Um, so it's, it's not just about, you know, you know, lofty First Amendment rights. I deeply believe in those First Amendment rights, but also there's, you know, there's a, there is a tangible benefit to society by having people coming back to church. I, I really firmly believe that's where we're going to solve problems. And, you know, maybe it's another podcast for another day, but, you know, I just, this all harkens back to, for me anyway, it's really all harkens back to um, uh, some of the comments that, that, you know, uh, uh, Pope now Saint John Paul II made, you know, uh, at the very beginning of his papacy, you know, when he said, you know, open wide the doors for Christ, you know, to His saving power, that opens up all the boundaries of the state, all of our economic and political systems, our culture. Christ opens up all of that. We as Catholics believe He's the answer, and I think just people of faith, no matter what your faith may be. We've seen that that's where society is going to come together, I think, to, to band together as we hopefully overcome this, this terrible virus and all of the, you know, the discord and divisiveness that we face. Those are, those are my closing thoughts. I'm, I'm very grateful that you made time for me today and uh, to talk about these very important issues and wish you a Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, those are, that's a great thought to go out on and I appreciate you. Um, joining us. I know you've been very busy the past week. We've been emailing back and forth. So um, I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. Thank you so much and wish you and your family Merry Christmas as well. Yeah, Chris, Chris Anzaday from the uh, Office of General Counsel from the Archdiocese of Washington. Wise words. We're all in this together, but from six feet away. (laughs) (laughs) God bless. Thank you. I'm Aaron Weldon. And I'm Mary McCleskey. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the First Freedom Podcast.